Love Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are, on this rather madly rotating planetary sphere tonight, in the year 2020 AD, on the 4th of April, according to the Gregorian calendar. Welcome, one and all, all over the world. We are in something like 190 countries, and uh, I think tonight our listenership is going to be up a little bit, because last night I did two hours with uh, Clyde Lewis, and we discussed some very far-out things, pun definitely intended, and some of them I will be getting into tonight with my my primary guest. We're going to have a, a mass for the first two hours, then we're going to be joined in the last hour by uh, Tim Saunders and Georgia Lambert, familiars to this program that you know very, very well, and there are uh, interesting things they have to contribute to the conversation. Before we get into uh, my guest tonight, let me do a couple of news items at the top here, and let me tell you how to find where we have everything stored. You want to go to the other side of midnight.com. That's our homepage. Click on that. And you want to um, you want to um, click on that banner tonight there at the other side of midnight. That's uh, for Mass Pelvi. We're doing a coronavirus program tonight that's going to be very wide ranging. And um, I want you to click on that banner for April fourth. That will take you to his guest page. Just kind of click on right under the banner there. It says Show Page Fast Links to Items. Click on Mine. Richard, and that takes you to some extraordinarily interesting and, may I say, uplifting news in the midst of this uh, kind of global psychological assault we're all undergoing. Um, Remember last week I talked extensively in the first uh, half hour or so about uh, my idea to reinvent the iron lung, a technology primarily from the 50s that was using uh, compression and negative pressure technology in a steel cylinder to put a patient in and then by reducing and increasing the pressure in the chamber slightly uh, the patient could be induced to breathe uh, from an exterior source the force of the air going in and out and allowed the lungs to basically recuperate from assaults and of course it allowed patients whose chest muscles have been paralyzed by polio to artificially be kept alive because the machine was essentially breathing. The advantage of this medically is that opposed to the current call, what they call an intubation technique, where they literally, you know, stick a plastic hose down the patient's throat and give them drugs to knock them out so that they, you know, the gag reflex doesn't want to continually, you know, eject this foreign intrusion. And then the machine forcing positive pressure, forcing higher pressure air or oxygen into the lungs in a cycle, which turns out to be damaging. 
And in the ultimate, it turns out that this produces unwanted cardiac pressure on the heart, which then induces heart attacks. And so I think a number of the patients from COVID-19 who have had to be on these so-called uh, ventilators using this positive pressure technology, intubation, tube down the throat, you know, positive pressure from the machine into the lungs, if that's really compressing the heart and the chest muscles in a way that leads to cardiac arrest, a lot of these deaths that are attributed now to co you know, 19 could in fact be side effects of merely the mechanism that the current medical technology is using to intubate and to, you know, respirate artificially these patients. Well, if you look at number one, in Britain, in the last few days, suddenly there has been a radical aggressive effort by a team of doctors, academicians, and engineers to actually produce an upgraded version of the iron lung, exactly what I was talking about just a week ago. So click on that story, and what's really interesting is that there's a line toward the bottom of the story. It's by uh, Sean Lintern, uh, health correspondent for The Independent, and you kind of scroll down toward the bottom of the story and hear something that's very, very interesting. It says, if I can find the right quote, um, this device could boost the heart's efficiency by up to 25% compared to conventional ventilation, which squeezes the chest and, and can reduce cardiac function. Now, as someone who 21, 22 years ago suffered a heart attack, which uh, Robin, you know, saved my life during, I can tell you that when the doctor tells you that your uh, ejection fraction, which is the measure of the efficiency of the heart, has gone down to like 50%, it's not good news. Now, because I had an exquisite doctor, namely Robin, and because she gave me all kinds of supplements, my ejection fraction is now normal again. And I have never had a problem even living at this altitude. I'm like, I think about 6,600 feet here in the desert which means the oxygen partial pressure is lower. And so the heart has to work harder and stronger to maintain the same uh, partial pressure of oxygen in the blood. But because of her, you know, efforts 20 some years ago, uh, I've not had that problem. Although I must say after the heart attack, the doctors were very, very dismal and very negative that I would ever be able to even live here again. And uh, that turned out not to be a, a medically sound prediction because she did things outside the box. This device that the British are testing, um, and apparently they now have a trial set up at the uh, Royal Papworth Hospital in Cambridge, which they're doing six machines on, on patients in the, in the coming few days. It, this is really an extraordinary breakthrough because the way most people are going to die is either on ventilators of the wrong kind because they basically compress the heart and then cause this uh, this cardiac problem and or they need to be on the uh, ventilator for weeks because their own lungs are filled with fluid and they don't get enough uh, respiration and transpiration of oxygen through the tissue without artificial aid to keep them alive. The really interesting thing here is the price. 
the normal ventilators that we've been hearing about, the ones that are incredibly now in rare supply because all the stockpiles have been raided, the ones that people like Elon Musk and General Motors and other corporations are being begged to begin making in large quantities so they can be distributed to hospitals in these hotspots where people need them, desperately need them. If this technology could supersede the conventional ventilator technology, let, let me give you an example. This new version of the iron lung has maybe a dozen or a couple dozen moving parts. Um, the ventilators we're hearing about have up to 200 highly specialized parts. And then, of course, in this period of global economic retraction and people staying home and uh, you know being afraid to mingle, you can't have shop floors filled with people, um, it's going to be very hard to get all those parts assembled and sent through through some kind of transport mechanism to where the companies are making new ventilators. According to the uh, doctors in England, um, this this reinvention of the um, uh, iron lung carried out on a, a task force headed by Professor John Byrne, who's chairman of the Newcastle-upon-Tyne's Hospital Foundation Trust and a member of the NHS England Board, that's National Health Service. Um, they've been working on this for, they say, about 10 days. They claim that they can be up and running to build about 5,000 machines per week. They have given away the blueprints, the plans, the engineering diagrams for what they're doing. So Musk and GM and anybody else that wanted to replicate this as I strongly recommended last week, uh, they could do it on their own without even asking the Brits' permission. And according to the doctors and the engineers working on this, he said, uh, this was, I believe, um, uh, Sir, Burton, Sir Byrne, he said, we are happy to give this away. It is cheap and easy. It can be built with off-the-shelf materials uh, with very few moving parts, for around a thousand pounds, like like twelve hundred dollars, that's one tenth, at a minimum, of the standard ventilator, which starts at around you know uh, you know ten thousand up to thirty thousand, up to now fifty thousand dollars according to uh, something I saw just last week. So I wanted to start out with some real hope that regardless of how we got into this pickle. And that's going to be the substance of our discussion with uh, Mass this morning. Uh, there are some interesting solutions, radical outside the box, if I might call them MacGyver solutions. And this idea of the British now engineering a new version of the iron lung, which is exactly what I was hoping for when I raised this last week, this could be incredibly good news because not only keep a lot of these people who are suffering from this problem alive, it will allow their lungs to heal. So the time that they spend on this artificial respiration could in fact be truncated vastly from the several weeks that the patients on conventional ventilators with COVID-19 uh, apparently have to maintain the artificial respiration or they will die. Okay, item number two. The FDA has just approved a drug called Invermectin, which apparently is a uh, drug. Let me let me look at the details here. Uh, it's widely available. It was it was approved by the FDA originally for parasitic infections, 
and has the potential for being repurposed, let me just read you the first paragraph in the abstract. Although several clinical trials are now underway to test possible therapies, the worldwide response to COVID-19 outbreak has been largely limited to monitoring and containment. We report here that Invermectin, an FDA-approved antiparasitic previously known to have broad-spectrum antiviral activity in vitro, is an inhibitor of the causative virus SARS-CoV-2 with a single addition of Vero-HSLAM to cells two hours post-infection, the SARS-CoV-2 able to infect a 5,000-fold reduction in the viral RNA in 48 hours. And that goes along with the other off-the-shelf medications that are being tried, like uh, chloroquine, which apparently is making very good progress in the trials that are being that have been set up between uh, New York and California. So here's another weapon in the toolbox, Invermectin. It's widely available. It's cheap, cheap, cheap. If you can give it to people as a prophylactic, and then when they're exposed, like medical workers, they don't come down because... The, the the main you know shock troops we have in this battle is of course our healthcare workers and if they go down uh, the entire population is is you know basically exposed and anything which can keep the healthcare workers healthy and the rest of us healthy of course is something that we should be looking very seriously at. Um, there's 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 two other items in my files but I think I'm going to wait to get into those until we have our guest on. So let me get directly. To, to our guest of this morning, um, Mass Pelvi is a uh, – why is that not working? Oh, the fast links to Mass and Tim and Georgia are not working. So I will scroll. Welcome to real-time live radio, folks. Uh, no problem. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. That's kind of our mantra here. We might want to check those links. Okay. Mass grew up in the countryside in a traditional family of four. His father, a psychologist, and his mother, a eugenie therapist. And before you ask, what's a eugenie therapist? Here's what it is. A kind of body awareness and therapy, and he also grew up with a smaller sister who passed away at 18 years of age from a heart attack. Obviously an extraordinary shock to Mass and his entire family. He was 21 at the time. Mass got into trading because he needed a job to fund two degrees, a master's in law and a bachelor's in finance. He started trading government and mortgage bonds on the floor of the Copenhagen Stock Exchange during the day and studied in the evening and on his holidays. He met his Russian wife on New Year's Eve 1989-1990 in Copenhagen. They married two months later on March 9, 1990. She was 18 years old, visiting from Russia, and he was 24. They now have three grown children, 26, 24, 22, and a grandson, three years of age. In 1991, the Palsvies moved to London, and he worked for the Credit Suisse, first Boston and Inter, and later, rather, Barclays and Morgan Stanley. Mass stumbled upon a couple of books by David Icke in Herod's in 2002, and since then, he's never looked back. However, it's become more and more difficult to work in banking, knowing how the system is working. Rotten to the core is one of his quotes, built to loot country after country, and not the kind of banking that Mass was interested in then or now. 
Um, I'll tell you what, instead of continuing on with bios, why don't we go directly to the other side of Midnight Mass? You're on the other side once again. Hello, Richard. Nice to be back on your show. Good morning. Yeah, I think our last conversation had to do with Brexit, and that I'm sure will come up sometime during the morning. But let me start out with kind of an overview. Uh, From an economic perspective and someone who has kind of looked at things outside the box and delved into what um, colloquially over here is called mostly so-called conspiracy theories, what's your big picture take on the whole uh, COVID-19 thing? Well, it's it's one of the biggest tragedies ever in human history, obviously. Um, and I hear I, I, do, I do not mean by the uh, the factual lethality, but by the response. I mean just to close down the entire world, the the amount of suffering that imposes on people, and the and the cost are, are an enormous. I mean, there to find a silver light, light lining, I think is the the uh, the very very the good the time people have at home to study other things than the fake news, mainstream, lying, poor corporate media. And, 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 and the second uh, silver lining is that people are beginning to realize what money creation really is. I mean, how can Trump print $2,000 billion? How can, <laughs> how can the Danish uh, country do the same? Because I mean, money's an illusion. It's, 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 it's a toolbox. It's part of the toolbox, yes? It's an illusion. It's something that's created. Mm-hmm. I mean... And, uh, and so I think that is very interesting. One month ago, the government couldn't care less about uh, how old people were suffering. We even, we even have in Denmark euthanasia in the hospitals. They are not as uh, vocal about it as they are in Holland, in the Netherlands. But in, in Denmark, we do that as well. They, 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 literally, they kill old people. They, they take away their, their, um, their oxygen. They give them less water and they die. And then they put them on, 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 on medication, um, you know, so they don't suffer. And then they basically kill them. And uh, now all of a sudden we have to believe that. No, wait, 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 wait. When you say they basically kill them, is this with the patient's permission? Because there is what's called a DNR, which is do not revive order when you are entered into the hospital as part of the paperwork. Or are these people who basically society, someone, some bureaucrat at some level says, oh, they're just, you know, one of the useless eaters and they just quietly allow them to go away well i have a lot of of of, uh, of test, uh, testimonies to the to the latter so obviously there is the first that people are, are getting older but we are, we do not officially uh, recognize euthanasia so officially the doctors have to save save life do not hurt officially and that's not what's happening in 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 real life they are they are doing it. They are. They are. Uh, I mean, I have I have witnesses who say who 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 gets a visit if they are working in a, either in a hospital or in an old people's home, and their statistics are too good, i.e., they live too long on average. Then they get a visit that their numbers are too high. So we we are talking about that this government that normally is worried about costs and not how old people are treated. Now, all of a sudden, we are led to believe that they could not be spent one billion kroner a month ago on old people, and now all of a sudden they can spend 300 billion. What? I mean, come on. It's unbelievable. Um, so I, I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact, how, where do we get those 300 million from? And, uh, and people are slowly, slowly understanding it. And, um, and I think that, that, uh, that we have been you know, lied to from the 
from the media, from the politicians, from the even from the universities about what money creation really is. And now I think a lot of people, by seeing it in real life, they are realize, well, we could use money creation. After this, this disaster is over and done with, we could actually, instead of like in 2008, bailing out all the banks and allowing corporate raiders to, to borrow our unlimited funds to buy out all the, 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 the small businesses that went under, then we could actually bail out the people instead. And a lot of people are waking up to that. And I think that is, that is very beautiful. Hmm. There are a lot of interesting side effects of this that may or may not have been intended. If you go back to the fast links under the banner on the guest page and you click on my items and go down to my last item, um, both by satellite and by ground observation, the fact that people are staying home, the fact that they're not commuting, the fact that they're not using you know, giga gallons of gasoline sitting in two-hour parking lots in Los Angeles, it turns out there's a marked improvement in the air quality all over the planet, particularly in major cities like Beijing and Wuhan and, and uh, New York and Los Angeles and whatever. And as you can see from some of the images, in many places and cities are essentially abandoned with very little vehicular or, or uh, pedestrian traffic, wildlife. I mean, this is like something out of, out of the most extraordinary science fiction novel you can imagine where civilization goes away and nature reclaims the cities, except in this case, everybody's home, literally home, and wildlife is moving through the streets, co-sharing the same environment. It's, it's bizarre. Yes, obviously that is beautiful, and I think I think that um, there's so much going on with the corporate media. They are talking. Up, they they they. they are, one of their main strategies is to to talk about something. Look over here. Look over here, and then they t- blow something out of proportion. We talk about that. For example, the climate. Yeah, as if they care. I mean, they are owned by the 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 people who own the multinational corporations, and the, and we are left to believe that they care about. <laughs> about the climate and the and the, the pollution and, and so on. Uh, they, then they say, so look over here, look at the climate. They don't say, look at look at the fact that 15 of the largest uh, freight ships, they are polluting as much as the ent- all the entire cars in the world. So how about we started producing things locally? Like like Trump says, make America great again. We, why, why can't American uh, factories produce... This um, the stuff that the Chinese factories are. Well, of course they can. I mean, everything is uh, is done by robots uh, these days anyway. So why shouldn't the robots be located in uh, in America? Why would why should they be in China? And if we if we produce things more locally, then that will ha- have an, a massive impact to the better of um, of the climate and because it will be polluting the the, the oceans much less. That's just one example. Yeah. One example, and it also would have the collateral effect that you'd have more jobs locally. I mean, in the 90s, we exported manufacturing on a wholesale level in the United States to Canada and Mexico and the rest of the world. You know, the those trade agreements that were signed that um, really just took and gutted the American manufacturer. And then people look around and say, well, why don't we have masks? Why don't we have, you know, PPE? Why don't we have gowns? It's because we don't manufacture anything here anymore. It's somewhere in the third world because of price, and the third world has all gone home because they've been told to go home to stay alive. So 
The other salutary effect that this might have is to go back to something I've said over and over again, the old you know, mantra of NASA, which was no single point failure. Yes, it's nice to have international free trade. That's helped politically in many you know, situations. But it's also nice to have local manufacturing. So if you can't get a shipment from China or Taiwan or Vietnam, you can get one from you know, Decatur or Dearborn or you know, Paducah or someplace here in the States, and you don't have to ship it in a very high, you know, uh, high, highly environmental destructive uh, diesel burning ship halfway around the planet. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's much better, I think, much better to have it locally produced and also makes each, each nation more self-sufficient and uh, more brave because if you are relying on only on solely on international trade, you are more in the pocket of the globalists and the banksters because they can just all of a sudden decide to produce what to, to move uh, the stuff that you are producing, you are making a living out, out of, they can decide to move that to another nation with a dictator, for example, and then your country is screwed. So mm. people are bending over backwards for, for the globalists. We see that in, in small countries like Denmark and Ireland, for example, right? Where in Ireland, they have all, all these headquarters of big multinational corporations. And we do in Denmark as well. We have a lot of, of uh, very large corporations uh, in Denmark as well. One of the things that I want to get into this in the next half hour that I found very interesting is that Denmark seemed to be at the forefront of leadership in proposing an economic, uh, I want to choose the right word here, um, relief package, proposal, policy uh, initiative that has apparently, with very little uh, uh, digression, been adopted by the Congress here in terms of its $2.2 million stimulus relief package. And it seems to me, without getting into details, we'll do that in the next half hour, that this is kind of setting the way for the idea, you know, globally, Mass, that that economics really doesn't come down to, you know, um, cutthroat capitalism versus communism. There are all kinds of extraordinarily inventive things in between which can help people. And people now are looking desperately for things that will help them. And so it's like we're being open to a whole bunch of different models that formerly were only at the deepest, most arcane level of academe. Yes, um, I, I was not aware that, uh, that America were, were, were copycatting uh, Denmark, but um, it seems like there's a lot of similarities for sure. And I think that, that uh, and there's a lot, obviously a lot of strategies with this um, this Corona thing, which I believe has been planned, but we will go into that later. But um, and and one of the thing is that uh, that there is a push for global government. There's a push for for a, a global dictatorship, to say it as, as as it is. And one of the strategies here is that the government will show show big leadership, and then they'll come out on the other side. I hope it will end already the 13th of April, and and then they'll say to the population, look how we handle this this horrible tragedy of COVID-19, we saved your health by locking down Denmark, and we saved your economy, personally, your, finan your personal finances, by this uh, 300 billion Danish kroner uh, stimulus package, which is, uh, I think, something like 50 uh, billion US dollars uh, in a country with only uh, 5.7 million people. So, so I, I think that's the strategy so that, that the, the government can be, uh, so the population can be even more brainwashed 
to believe that the Danish government uh, actually is doing anything for them. They only do something for them because they want them to relax. They want them to deposit their brain and their freedom and leave everything in the hand of the big brother, the, the, big, uh, the big 1984 um, fascist dictatorship, uh, that, which is what we already have in Denmark legally. Hmm. And I, maybe we, we, I can tell you some of the legislation they, they came through with was um, in November 18, they came through with a law. You go to jail 18, sorry, up to 12 years for criticizing NATO if they can prove that you had some connection with a foreign nation, obviously read Russia. Um, and, uh, and now they, the Corona law came in one day. They came out and they're standing unanimously. All of them voted yes to that you can break into a person's home and you can uh, forcibly medicate them, forcibly vaccinate them if there's a suspicion that someone has the corona. So every single freedom has been taken away if you, comp- if you add the Patriot Act, obviously, from 9-11, yeah? So we are now legally a fascist nation in Denmark. Hmm. Was there... I mean, this is obviously much too complicated to get into in the minute we have left, so let's do this. Let's hold it there. My guest this morning is investment banker and economist Mass Pelby, and we are talking about the economic implications, the political implications, the social implications of a world gone mad. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back, everyone, on this Saturday morning, evening, wherever you are on the planet. 
My guest this morning is Mass Pelby, and we're talking investment and economics and what's be I'll tell you what, let's before we talk about the Denmark economic plan, let's talk about big picture. You said before, I believe you think this was deliberately engineered. Can you provide evidence to support that obviously very uh incendiary conclusion? Well if if if, if you and I and let's say 200 people or 1,000 people went into a large room and we asked, uh, asked any, everybody, could anybody have predicted that the entire world would be closed down because of a cold or a virus or, an, or a flu? I think we would have um, 1,000 people unanimously agreeing that that's impossible. And it's very rare you can put 1,000 people into a room and everybody will agree on something. And in this case, I think there would be evidence to support that everybody would agree that that's impossible. However, if you look up event 201 in October last year, that's exactly what happened. Okay, talk, talk about event 201. What was it? What was it designed to do and what did it do? It, it was basically designed to what should the response be from business leaders and political leaders in cohesion or to, as a response to fight a global pandemic. This is exactly what happened in October 18. And you can look up a event 201 and you will see that that's exactly what happened. And, and if you look into how they explain how the government and the businesses should report should respond by, by only, for example, the one example is in the media, you should only talk about the pandemic, Corona, 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 Corona. You should only talk about the, the pandemic and how important um, um, uh, artists and um, sports, uh, famous sports people and politicians should all go out and talk about this uh, pandemic, which is what we've seen they've been doing. And then they close down all sports events, they close down the economy. You can see that this event, whatever they said to the, to the, to the last dot in October 18 on John Hopkins University, you can see that that panned out in real life. And also what is very, very suspicious, our health minister of health, um, Martin Manike, Moynike, Manike or something like that, Moynike, I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> he, he went to have a meeting with Bill Gates on the exactly the same day, which I believe he's, lo he's located very close to that um, John Hopkins University. That's where they met. So it's, it's highly suspicious. Everything in this case is really, really suspicious. Hmm. Well, Bill Gates lives on an island. I've actually been in a boat past his rather palatial mansion in uh, Washington State up by Seattle. And yeah. Johns Hopkins is in Baltimore, so they're on opposite sides of the country. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't know why, but maybe he was there for that event. I, the way I understood it is that they were very close by. I could be wrong on that part, but I, I know for sure at, um, at, at exactly the same time in time in the months or day in the months, it will, they, they, he met Bill Gates at the same time the event 201 was, uh, was, was taking place, the 18th of October. Well, I mean, Gates has been very interested in pandemics and epidemics, and he did a TED Talk several years ago on the subject, so I, I don't find that anomalous. Do we have a paper trail saying there was any, you know, did, did Gates actually design the simulation? Was was he part of yes, the yes yes okay the, the 201 yes yes he 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 was designing it together with um, 
with the, I believe the Rockefeller Foundation is involved as well. And, um, and I think it's highly uh, suspicious when you have the, the main, some of the main proponents for depopulation uh, and they are behind this, uh, an event like this. It's very, very scary. And, um, and he's also proposing vaccination for everybody in order for them to be allowed to travel. He says that outright. Bill Gates says that outright, that we, we should introduce that so, so people will not be allowed to travel. According to him, you should not be allowed to travel unless you, you have been vaccinated. And then he's also behind something called ID2020, where they are proposing that we should all be vaccinated with a microchip. I'm not making this up. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is, <laughs> this, this is unbelievable. It sounds like a total silver tinfoil hat to say that someone would, would microchip us with a vaccine, right? But you can just look it up, ID2020. Does anybody tell us why they would want to put a microchip in with a vaccine? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, the argument, I suppose, is something to do with uh, that uh, we would we would we would not be contagious because they would know that we are, had all been vaccinated. As if these vaccinations work. I mean, you have a lot of people who take the flu shots; they get the flu anyway, and and uh, even polio and, and measles. Of all anybody who gets the measles and the polio, they, a lot of them have been vaccinated. So. Very often these things don't even work, right? Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, personally, I think it's all part of, part of this. Um, this is my view. Uh, it's all part of the, the global dictatorship that they're trying to impose on people. And, and I'm not. I'm, I can quote these globalists. They call call normal people for useless eaters. So that's how they they look at them. Look at the ordinary people. Um, so so and the way to control people obviously is. The, 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 big, the most important thing for them is the 5G system and the, and the vaccinations. This is the conclusion to I've come to because 5G was invented by the military. It's, a, um, it's actually a weapon and it can, it can kill you by, um, by going wait, wait, in. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean it's a weapon that can kill you? 5G only applies to the idea that you use a different part of the spectrum which has more bandwidth to push through the internet all the traffic, certainly now we're going to have increased traffic, enormous traffic, because, and we're getting, a, we're, I'm getting feedback in my ears somewhere. I'm hearing myself coming back. We need to, you know, make sure that doesn't happen. Um, because the more people you have using the internet, the more bandwidth you need, and the higher frequencies in the electromagnetic spectrum you avail yourself of, the more bandwidth you have. It's a basic, you know, tenet of simple, simple physics. How can a global population with more people using the Internet, so there's more need to have more bandwidth, how can that be attributed to a military weapon unless in certain frequencies there's research indicating that those frequencies have pernicious biological effects that in fact can be weaponized if people behind the technology choose to do so? I'd like to see some, some specifics on that. Yeah, no, I can I can uh, send you a lot of material on, on that. First of all, you you could use fiber optics instead. That has thousand times more bandwidth than uh, 5G will ever have. So there's absolutely no not, there no argument to use 5G just because you want fi- faster internet. You, the, we certainly in Denmark and I believe in America as well. Uh, you have fi- fi- uh, fiber cables everywhere in your country and we have in our country. We've been, we've been laying down fiber optics since 
I believe, the, if not the 80s, certainly since the 1990s, we could have had made a law that saying that any office with, with 10 employees should have fiber, fiber optics. You, you, you download 99% of your, your large downloads, you download either at home or at your workplace. So we could have fiber optics. We wouldn't have the problem with this. And um, there's plenty of evidence, first of all, that even the 2G, 3G, and 4G is highly, highly damaging to, uh, to, your, to our bodies. Well, there was just um, several court cases in Italy um, that mobile radiation causes cancer and that the, um, the, the international body of, of, uh, of standardization, the ICNIRP, were, were, were not to be trusted because the members of ECNIRP um, have too, too, too many links to the telecom industry. So obviously they, they, they only look at the, 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 um, the, the heat uh, damaged uh, done by, by the heating of the, the mobile phone and not on the, on the biological effect of this radiation. And it's clear that even 2G, 3G and 4G, it changes your DNA, it uh, destroys fertility, so that, and, and, and also it's carcinogenic. We, we've seen that in a court case. So, that, so we should already, with 2G, 3G, and 4G, talk about how we can minimize that mi microwave radiation, that um, uh, electromagnetic radiation. We should be talking about that. And instead, we are, we are now uh, multiplying uh, that radiation with the 5G. And it gets worse because 2G, 3G, and 4G, it's like a soup. Come, it comes out, the, the, the signal comes out from the... The 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 mast where the, where where this um, this um, uh, machine is uh, is sending out the signal. You mean the antenna? The antenna, sorry, yeah, the antenna is um, is coming out. It's like a soup. It just comes out uh, and it, it goes out um, and it it it, it, it then um, the signal um, gets smaller and smaller exponentially the further away you are from the signal. Well, however, 5G, it's, it's, it's not a soup. It, it's, it's a pinpoint. It goes straight. It looks for, are there anybody who, who would like to, to have some 5G signal? And it looks for every single phone or smart uh, fridge or smart television or smart meter or anything that, that, anything that, that can take 5G. And then it sends a, a, a signal directly to it, almost like a laser. And that signal does not um, decrease it has a problem going through uh, trees and, and, and other things, but, but in, in, it, it, it goes very, very directly. And, um, and the problem we have is that, that um, this 5G technology is developed by the, the military as a crowd control um, uh, weapon so that you don't kill people. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Do we actually know that? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's very you, easily in easy, your uh, in your section in Radio with Pictures tonight. Have you provided a link for that? No, unfortunately, I haven't. But I can I can definitely send it to you. Um, okay, we may easy. not be able to get it up tonight because we're having some kind of technical issues uploading to the web. I think it has to do with the amount of traffic we're having. Um, just before airtime, I was looking for background on this five G thing, and in the Duluth, Minnesota Reader, which is a very interesting uh, newspaper. There's a major article published a few days ago, China's massive amount of immunotoxic 5G networking and the Wuhan coronavirus, the emperor's new virus, written by a doctor, Gary G. Coles, MD, 
and Paul Doyen, who is a uh, uh, biologist, professional biologist. And let me read you a couple of lines from this. It's a very interesting article. I want everyone to carefully read it because it's got a hundred references at the end, which you can, uh, um, you know, easily gain access to. Um, it's to me, we almost have a a, a basic uh, contradiction between what human beings want and what nature will allow them to have. Because even if you don't view this 5G technology as weaponized, it could be a mass that just inherently those high frequencies interact with biology, human physiology, bacteria, microbes, in a way that they, particularly the microbes and the viruses, can be very easily programmed through this, you know, communications technology, just the EM, the electromagnetic uh, uh, exposure, to, to basically modify themselves to where something that would be harmless before you introduce this technology, now in that EM-sensitized environment, is mutating in ways that you don't want, which means if this ultimately is proven true, we as a civilization may have to choose between high-band communications, portable communications, not fixed point like your desktop, but your your you know your smartphone, and living in this in this high EM background environment, which just generally for the last several decades has been viewed more and more negatively as you know they call it things like electromagnetic you know smog or pollution or whatever. It could just be that biology is incompatible with these high frequencies. End of discussion. Yes, um, yes, I, I, I agree. It's, uh, it's it's very bad for our our uh, our bodies, and um, and I think that that they sell it by by saying that you know on this faster internet. But if that was true, then then uh, you could, you, could, you, <laughs> you, could, you could just use the fiber. Excuse you know? me, Matt. I just got a note from Kinsey. She's plenty of evidence. What I think we're learning is that this era of the Internet, one man's evidence is another man's conspiracy theory. How do, how do we get accurate information? This is a bigger question, Mass. How do, we, how do we know who to trust when everybody has an agenda, everybody is pulling and tugging at us in different directions, and there's no fixed standards where anybody can agree this is fact and this is fiction? Well, for example, if you take the, this, we're talking about here is is 2G, 3G, 4G, and 5G damaging to your health. There are, if you go into um, emfportal.org, you will see that there are 30,000 studies done by scientists that proves that it is damaging. So it's beyond any doubt it's damaging. I have a law degree. It's beyond any doubt that it is damaging. The thing is, when when I have been starting all the demonstrations against 5G here in Denmark. And when we come out and we meet the, the health authorities and um, the NGO that supposedly is supposed to fight cancer, then, they, they, then you talk with these people and they say, well, it was not the real mice that was used. Oh, it was the wrong placebo. It was the wrong this, that, and the other. I mean, come on, 30,000 <laughs> professional studies done by scientists. You have the 5G space appeal and other appeals sent to political leaders signed by hundreds, if not thousands of scientists, and all they do is they just listen to the telecom industry and say, no, no, we're going to put it up anyway. And now, even now with the evidence, we have that 
where the COVID-19 is more severe, uh, like in uh, Italy, Iran, South Korea, and Wuhan, China. That's where they had all the 5G. I mean, Wuhan opened 5G as the, the main spot in China uh, for 5G on the 31st of October. You can't make this up. Halloween, the most satanic holiday. You can't <laughs> make that up. That's probably, probably coincidence, right? I don't know whether I'd say Halloween is satanic, but... Well, I don't, I don't believe in coincidences, but let's just say it was a coincidence. The, the chance that it's a coincidence is 0.3% as a banker, I can say, and a, pers- a professional gambler for 25 years for big investment banks, I can say I don't believe that much in coincidences. But let's just say there's a three, 0.3% chance it's a coincidence and 99.7% that it was planned. But let's just say that. So the 31st, they have the event 201 in October um, 18th, they open up the internet in October uh, 30, 31st, and one month later you have people dro- dropping down uh, with, uh, with, with these flu. And the thing with 5G is, um, is um, it, the, the symptoms from, uh, my, from EMF and microwave radiation is, very, is flu-like symptoms. You, um, you have the same symptoms. So, so it's I, I, I believe, and this is me believing, this is my, my, my thought, this is my guess. My guess is that they know they're putting up 5G globally. When has the, the entire world agreed on anything before? When has the entire world agreed on anything in the world history and then doing it simultaneously? 5G is the first time in human history that the entire world has decided on anything. And this is a weapon. This is something that thousands of scientists uh, says is highly damaging to uh, to you to your body, and they decide to put this up outside of every third home with 75 meters. Okay, in let me uh, l- let me let me let me ask this then: If we're being ruled by invisible elite masters, yes, they live here, don't they? Oh if, yes, they if, do. If I'm, they yeah. install all this technology that's around us that permeates the environment, every civilized you know, city on the planet, how do they escape the negative impact of a technology which ultimately kills people? Uh, well, unfortunately, I don't know everything. And, uh, and of course, I'm not an expert in anything to do with, uh, with medicine and, and human health. I'm a banker. I'm an economist. Right. I've been on a steep learning curve with this, this 5G the last year and a half. See, because there, never there are... There are there are a number of areas where – I mean I have a lot of guests on the show, different background, different expertise. We try to vet them, so we're talking to people that really know what they're talking about. The thing that unites all of them – I mean we have environmental people. We have people who are looking at the planet in terms of chemtrails and geoengineering and all that. And the one question that none of these people can answer is unless they have a free means of getting to Mars or the moon – and they have palatial summer homes somewhere else in the solar system. All these elite people are living on this planet. Why would they be killing the very planet they are desperately in need of maintaining for their own lives, their own well-being, their own livelihood, to say nothing of thousands and thousands, millions of workers that keep them in their billions? I, there's, there's a huge logical disconnect there. Uh, yeah, I, I do get that. I do get that. I mean, I can give you a certain experience. First of all, 
you can you have certain areas where they don't either don't turn on this the 5G or even you have cities like Brussels and Geneva and other places where they do not have have 5G. So there are certain places now, where wait, people are allowed is, to survive. Is, is that just economically, or are there laws forbidding it in these certain zones? As I'm told, Brussels and Geneva uh, they have decided not to get the 5G. So. So there are certain people that can move there and they could survive. That's one thing. And then well, wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Let's not skip over this too lightly. Do we hmm. know why laws were enacted in those cities forbidding 5G? Well, obviously, because uh, they, they, they say that they want to wait and see on the health effects and they should do the more study before, before we turn it on. And this is also what I'm saying in Denmark. We should not turn it on until, every, until we're sure that it can be something that is not damage, damaging human health. So, so why can't that. places that are adopting this patient, conservative, wait-and-see strategy, why can't those laws be adopted by other cities, other countries, other municipalities, other, you know, regions, if there is medical data that shows the negative effects. In other words, if this is really all about stupidity and greed, because, of course, more bandwidth means more customers, means more happy customers, means more clients, means more money, etc. If this is just being driven by economics, why can't we show the, the consumer that the downside of convenience is death. Well, well, in my view, it's because there is an agenda, which is, is clearly, whether you believe in, in people being uh, <laughs> ruled by a few hundred families or not, I think there's plenty of evidence to the fact that, that, that that's the case. Uh, but, but, but again, those two or three hundred families, they all live here. At least they I think they do. They, but the thing is, listen, I, I mean, they talk openly about depopulation. They, 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 they're, not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not beating about the bushes here. They're talking it openly. I mean, you, you have plenty of evidence that that is what, is, what Agenda 21 is all about. That, that, that's also why it's called Event 201. If you take away the zero, what, what do you have, right? And so it's Agenda 21. And they want to kill some people. I mean, Bill Gates publicly says... See, that's a really that. strong statement, Mass. They want well, to kill. Why would they want to kill billions of people? They say, they say that... No, that, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't tell me what they say. What's the reason? What's the objective? What's the benefit of killing most people on the planet? Well, if you look at the Georgia Guidestones, they say we should be 500 million people living in harmony with nature. So that means that they want to kill 7 billion. And you can, say other, you can hear other statements to the effect that they say we should kill 3 billion and we should go down to 1 billion, go down to 2 billion. But certainly we're talking about, um, you know, I mean, anything from 20% to 90% of the world population that they, that they, they are proposing and you have the Agenda 21, which is all about moving people away from the nature into mega cities. And then you have this agenda with the 5G, which is a weapon. And, and how, how many people would like to go up against the government when they come with the next fascist uh, legislation if you have a bazooka right outside your house? I mean, already now it's difficult for me to uh, mobilize Anybody going for demonstrations against 5G already now with the legislation we have here in Denmark, people are terrified, absolutely terrified. Don't you think if there was a legitimate connection established between what happened in Wuhan, the turning on of the 5G and the almost instant uh, 
change of this virus to something very deadly. I mean, just imagine this scenario that all the discussion of the wet markets and all the discussion of the bats and the intermediate animal, I think it was a cat or something, uh, allowed this to mutate to where it would infect people. Okay, let's let's just assume that that's real. If the 5G was the uh, match that lit the fuse, if that was the trigger that changed a harmless you know, virus contained in one species into one that can mutate and be, you know, infective to us. And it was simply because there was a 5G linkage. Will that not eventually be discovered? And when that is discovered, will there not be an incredible outcry against 5G all around the planet? There, there, is, there is an incredible outcry. We have a lot of people crying out. Yeah, but, but I mean see, at a political a level. Videos, I mean, but the YouTube it, videos are being deleted. Any, anybody who comes out with any evidence to 5G, linking 5G with corona, YouTube and Facebook are deleting those things. Then how come this article, very extensive, page after page after page, with 100 references by accredited doctors and biologists, appear in a mainstream newspaper in Minnesota – and it's there. It's been there for for weeks, for okay. the last week. And that, and, that, and that says that 5G and Corona are related to each other. It's right on the website. Excellent. Go, go well, down. That's good. You know. That's good. Yeah. I'm very happy to hear see, that. That's great news. See, to me, I'm always suspicious of people who claim the whole world is being run by one group. Because I'm looking at what's happening with governors in this country in the yeah. absence of presidential directives – and no two governors are agreeing on anything, and they've been following this social you know, distancing, stay-at-home policy very slowly on their own time scale, without pressure, even from their own voters. So it appears to be very idiosyncratic. The idea that any groups can run the world, it's just it's too, too big and too complicated and too massive. They can try. They can use yeah. their influence and efforts, but then other groups – in the countervailing First Amendment scenario, they have their say at what the first group is trying to do. In other words, you do have a free market of ideas, even some censorship notwithstanding, because the amount of people posting data is overwhelming the ability of the censors to take it down. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree that that, that that is happening in um, that, that people are obviously different, and uh, the, I'm glad that there are uh, different governors with different points of view in uh, in your country. That's not what we're seeing in my country. We have 179 politicians, and they agree on um, practically everything uh, at the moment. <laughs> we, have, we have like a one-party state now. Um, but it's also a smaller country, obviously, and it's not that difficult to to um, to control 179 people. Your country is is larger. Um, when is so your next I'm, election? It'll be in three years' time for now. Oh, really? Because we have one coming up in a few months. Yeah. And I think there's going to be massive changes at many different levels because, mm-hmm. you know, people – see, the way that the politicians in democracies control voting is they discourage all the, the innovative people from voting. They make it incredibly difficult. They produce, you know, hours-long lines. They you know, try to rule against uh, voting from home. And when all this fails, when people get really involved in something, the voting proceeds and the voting goes in the direction you would like, which is, you know, bad stuff gets voted out and good possibilities get voted in. But people Mm. have to be involved. And one problem we've had for decades 
is more and more good people basically say a pox on both their houses, <clears throat> both parties are the same. What's the point of voting when you get the same thing again and again? So they opt out from voting in any way, and it's the opting out that gives the bad folks the ability to control. Oh, I'm glad you say that. I, I totally agree because I'm a parliamentarian as well. I believe that if, you, if people are just sitting at home and complaining everything is horrible, nothing is, is going to be changed. We have to get politicians into the parliament who, who, who want to, to change uh, things to the better for people. So I, I totally agree with you. So the main problem we have is apathy. You know, it goes back to that cliche from uh, Ben Franklin. You know the story, right? After our Constitutional Convention back in the mid-1700s, a woman asked uh, Ben Franklin, who was coming out of the Constitutional Convention, well, what kind of a government, uh, Dr. Franklin, do we have? And he, you know, again, rhetorically looked at the woman, we're told, and said, Madam, a republic, if you can keep it. And it's the if you can keep it part, which means you cannot have apathetic voters. One of mm. the amazing things that's happening in in our country is that as part of this problem, this you cannot get too close physically to people, even for you know, for the time being, you have to do things distantly. You're on the other side of midnight. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. <laughs>